0: There's a lot I have to say regarding giftedness and the things in my life that are directly or indirectly related to which, in my view,
1: in my view, in my view, in
0: my view, in my view. is everything. Hello, and welcome to the International Gifted Consortium. I'm Vanessa Wood. We hear real life stories daily, from our communities, from our schools, and from our families across the globe, both heartwarming and heart-wrenching. In order to truly understand our highly and profoundly gifted population, we have to go beyond our own experiences to the depths of another's reality. In each episode, we'll give you a glimpse into the life. So sit back, embrace the space, and take in the view from the eyes of the highly profoundly gifted this is room with a view welcome i'm vanessa wood i want to take a moment to thank all of our donors and igc cohorts as the igc celebrates five years as a 501c3 organization the igc is the only international not-for-profit organization dedicated to research and education outreach for the highly profoundly gifted population. We would not exist without your continued financial support. Thank you. A special thank you to the Evans and the Dutton families. Joining me today is IGC contributor Els DeWitt from Talentville in Belgium. Els is an educator serving the needs of highly profoundly gifted students throughout Flanders. She is also the author of the first Dutch book about exceptionally and profoundly gifted children. Els and I connected when she sent me English translations from her book. And right away, authenticity, meaning, and understanding stood out. Today, I'm excited for Els to share with you her work with highly profoundly gifted students and the importance of incorporating their unique characteristics, behaviors, and development into their learning experience. Welcome Els, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Vanessa. What we offer in Belgium are enrichment classes for exceptionally and profoundly gifted children only. They come to us for a whole day. This way, they have enough time to get to know their peers, to build a trust relationship with the instructor and other children, and we have enough time to work on their skills. These children are often very good at hiding themselves in the masses. In our program, that's not possible. People often think these kids are geniuses. They don't need help. Uh, They just need content, but it's not that simple. We use dense content on a child-friendly level to create an environment where they hit that wall, where the end result no longer comes by itself. So what do you do then? They never worked on a step-by-step basis. They have bad experiences with working together, as it usually means waiting for others to finish, and time management was never really necessary moreover during group discussions we touch the topics that they can never really discuss anywhere else i don't understand other people where do all these questions come from in my head why does nobody else have them why do people always say, you don't have to know that, aren't you too young for that? That are the things we discuss in these groups. The higher the giftedness, the more time I have to spend on working on these skills. We work a lot on the asynchronous development. Uh, one that pops into my head right now is me being able to finish my sentence. Me explaining new things to them makes their head so full of ideas. There is no space left for listening to others. So that's where I work on a lot these days.
0: Yes, this is so typical for profoundly gifted children. New ideas and explanations do excite them. And as you said, make their heads so full of new ideas, there is no space left for listening. So we refer to this neurological response as overexcitabilities. And often intellectual, imaginational, and emotional overexcitabilities also are combining with psychomotor and central overexcitabilities and they seem to all be at play in this scenario. So Els, can you talk more about how you nurture highly profoundly gifted learners while also supporting asynchronous development? What tips do you have for educators to both nurture these characteristics and behaviors or overexcitabilities and at the same time aid important skills such as being able to listen and to work with others.
1: Well, I could talk about this for a day. All overexcitabilities are touched over the course of several days. We provide content, new information they have to work with or find out for themselves. In my book, I call our children sleeping lions. There is so much greatness, the lion, inside of them. Always hungry for more, loving the chase is their nature. But over the years the lion fell asleep. And you can wave around with the juicy steak, they just don't care anymore. That's when parents knock on my door looking for help. Well, We need to grant them the chase, they need that and we need to cherish that lovely aspect of them. That's how they get to know themselves and their true nature. So when your child looks in the mirror, what does he see? Does he see a little cat that he is on the outside or the big lion he is on the inside, hungry for more? Educating them about this big line is very important. Get them to understand their true self. So keep on waving that stake until they are ready to bite again. It takes a lot of confidence and trust to take the risk of being disappointed again but that's how they get to know themselves the whole of them because they are not just their brain their knowledge but it is however a great tool to get to the core of who they are connection through content and despite what they have become what they have come to believe they cannot do it on their own So first, I always want to see their creative mind at work. This is a topic, what are you going to do with it? Then make it explicit. What is the plan? How did you go about? What does the result and the process say about you and your skills? The second part, when you see the other people's results, how do you look at your own result and the process now? These children live in a world so different from what they are, they have no mirror, there is no self-reflection. Many of them have a distorted image of themselves or just no image at all. Our groups are that mirror. And that's where we are back with the overexcitabilities. They all have their personal fingerprint of overexcitabilities. When you are nervous, do you sit still until you get a stomachache? When the room is too loud, do you start screaming even louder? When you don't understand, do you keep blaming yourself? What did they observe from the others? How do the others tackle it? What can I learn from them and from my mentor? The reason we work in groups is because there is so much to learn from each other. So one is look at the other and then look at yourself, as we just discussed. The other one is you need the other person in the room. You need other people to get somewhere in life. Accepting help is not the same as accepting your own failure. It is seeing the potential of other people. Many of our projects are doomed to fail if they do it all by themselves. It goes against our instinct, but let them fail and then discuss it. Once again, make the steps visible. Asynchronous development really differs from child to child. On a cognitive level, they often seem unstoppable, but remember that on certain aspects, sometimes the brain just isn't ready yet, like automation or time management, and it might even take longer than an average child. One thing I find very important, never underestimate the brain, but never overestimate what they can handle emotionally. It's easy to forget that last one once you are talking to them about a topic they care deeply about. You can talk politics on an abstract level, talk about norms and values, but injustice, for example, can get very deep on an emotional level and cause sleepless nights. I myself like deep and wide topics, but with a child-friendly sugar-coating. That means you can never just copy-paste projects, it's customization every single time. The goal is never the topic on itself, but it's the glue for all the other goals of self-insight, listening, working together, being an autodidact again. I'm stressed out, what do I do? When educators are looking for enrichment, they tend to look at their strengths and build on that. But then you also make the asynchronous development even bigger. So go beyond what I call the knowledge pump. Learn the skills of life, philosophy, creativeness, music, critical thinking, rhetorics. Just a few examples, really. Um, Enrichment is a great opportunity to level out certain weaknesses, uh, explore new ideas and build confidence in different aspects of their lives. Thank you, Els. The mirror effect you described is so on target,
0: and we know it to be true from studies in psychology, especially in the developing child. As you stated, without peers and mentors from which we can connect, we have no mirror. This conversation actually reminds me of a time when I picked my son up from his meeting with his mentor. In describing their time together, he said, it was like I see myself in him. That is exactly what we are talking about. It is essential for us all to connect with others and to be able to reflect on ourselves. Because their educational and developmental needs are so different, this isn't always easy to find for the developing highly profoundly gifted child or adolescent, but it is essential. Thank you, Els. I so appreciate you highlighting the importance of this sense of connection and belonging. As Maslow described, it is our most basic need. Highly profoundly gifted children need like-minded peers and mentors. Additionally, they need the space as you provide to be able to talk about the existential questions you mentioned earlier on. Their minds are able to see and connect and ponder philosophical or ethical questions that others may not even consider. Can you talk a bit more about your experience with this? It is so important for educators, parents, psychologists, and pediatricians to be aware of this intuitive dialogue, reflection, and development.
1: Well, existential questions develop earlier than with other children. For example, with toddlers, friendship has a deeper meaning. You are not just my friend during playtime, you are my friend for life and for everything. Talking about dead people, being a star in the sky can be hard to grasp. Stars are made up of dust. How can people be stars as well? So where do they go? Learning time goes beyond learning how to read the clock. Why is there time? What is the use? And why do we start counting in the midst of the night or the day? Why doesn't the clock start counting from the moment the sun rises? Why do we count with 10s in math class, and with 12 and 60 when we read the clock, and 7 notes in an octave? Are these questions, uh, all these questions deserve a fair answer. They can handle emotionally. It's amazing to see how quickly they go from small talk to a deeper meaning question. Many teenagers and adults struggle with this ex- existential part. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's the meaning? Who am I? Where do I belong? A remark I hear a lot is that they often have the feeling to be the only one struggling with these questions. Just now, I had a conversation with teenagers about friendship and space. Apparently, there is a match between those two. Is unconditionally and for eternity the same? When is exterior life intelligent? Besides being wired with a brain, they decided there needed to be some form of community. And a basic need for a community is, according to them, structure and some form of communication. Another struggle, starting uh, sometimes as soon as toddler age, why am I the abnormal one? The one person in the group that seems to care about the future of our world, who sees the problems beforehand and wants to do something about it. Shouldn't that be the norm? Who am I when I am not trying to adapt to the world? Can I ever truly be myself and what does that entail? These questions come naturally to them, it is part of their systemic thinking process. How does it all fit, and why does it exist in the
0: first place? Els, you have beautifully introduced us to the complex inner world of the highly profoundly gifted. How does it all fit? Why does it exist in the first place? Thank you for acknowledging the plethora of deep thinking, questioning, and synthesis. Many highly profoundly gifted individuals do see and interact with the world on a level not experienced by most. The many parts of their whole self are interwoven and connected at the heart, often feeling and caring deeply for others. You have given us much to contemplate. You are a gift to us all. Thank you, Els, And as always, thank you to all of our listeners from over 28 countries. We are glad you have joined us. Room with a View is produced by the International Gifted Consortium Education Outreach Initiative for you and by you. Join us on social media, giftedconsortium.org, or connect with me on LinkedIn. And please join us in celebrating five years. Go to giftedconsortium.org and join an IGC cohort or make a donation. You can make a difference by supporting essential research and education outreach. Until next time, Enjoy the view.